Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, Over the last several weeks, uh, we've been talking about what it means to be discipled. And the definition of disciple, I've been talking or sharing this each and every week, the definition of a disciple is, is believing in someone's teachings and then making that decision that you're going to follow after that person. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are his disciple. There's not 12 disciples. There's all of us. We're all disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen? Today I really felt in my heart to go a direction because we've been talking about what does it mean to be discipled, and I just really felt in my spirit to talk about the discipline of service. It is one of the great principles that Jesus taught to his disciples. If you read through the Gospels, you'll, dis- you'll discover that Jesus is constantly talking about serving. He's constantly talking about serving out of his heart of love, that, you know, whatever you, whatever you do for your, you know, treat others like you would treat yourself. Serving. In fact, Jesus applied this principle to his own life. In Mark 10, 45, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's interesting. We talk about a lot, who is the greatest? It seems like it's a consistent question in our society. Who is the greatest? And let me give you kind of an example. When I was growing up, of course, if you're probably my age, you know who the greatest was is Muhammad Ali. Of course he is the greatest. Why? Because he self-proclaimed it. I am the greatest. Greatest ever. Greatest of all time. How many remember that slogan? I am the greatest. Him and Howard Cosell going after each, each other. He proclaimed his greatness. Other arguments about greatness could be Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Who is, who is the greatest NBA basketball player of all time, at least in current times? You know, not to say Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, all these other guys of the past, but greatest of all time is it, is it Michael Jordan, LeBron James? See, there's an argument already right now. I'm going to say Michael Jordan. My son's going to say LeBron James. I know that. That's going to probably just keep on going. Who is the greatest NBA basketball player of all time? You might have a question. You know, the greatest golfer. Most of us might say Tiger Woods, but there's an argument for Jack Nicholas as well. I mean, Tiger's won the most, you know, tournaments, but man, Jack Nicholas, he, he's won the most championships, the, the, the different championships. Who is the greatest? Seems in life we always want to know that question. It's like kids being picked on the playground by their peers to play a game. You ever remember those days when you used to stand in line and you waited to get picked? And maybe you were lucky enough to be one of those people that were, that were picked in the num- very number one position. You were picked first and, man, you felt valuable. You felt great. Or maybe you experienced being picked last, which makes you feel inferior and not so great. Here's the thing that I kind of learned through the years. At least maybe you can relate to me. It was not so much, I mean, it'd be really cool to be picked first. Come on, somebody. But it was not so much about being picked first. 
just don't pick me last. You know, if I'm somewhere in the middle, that's cool. Just don't pick me last. And you're standing in that line. You're all lined up. And, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, I was picked first a lot when I was basketball. But when it came to soccer, huh? okay, Westerfield, get over here. Because I was not coordinated with my feet. They'd always put me at goalie, you know. And, you know, you're lined up and, and you say that prayer. Lord, don't let me be picked last. Don't let me be picked last. As you're saying that prayer. Yet Jesus taught his disciples, whoever is the least among you is the greatest. In Luke 9, 48, Jesus says, whoever is the least among you is the greatest. This principle is in direct contradiction to the way we think. It's in direct contradiction to our culture. The least is the greatest. What do you mean? See, Jesus is always challenging culture. And this is probably one of the Teachings that is most difficult to embrace, the most difficult to understand sometimes. Sometimes it works out. Look at the NFL draft. The last person picked in the NFL draft, you know what they title his name? Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant. The very last pick of the NFL draft. But did you know that the last pick of the NFL draft, he gets like a week's vacation down at Newport Beach. They give him a week's trip into Disneyland. He gets all these kind of different accolades for being picked last. I'll take that. (laughs) Come on. Pick me last. Who was the mystery relevant of 2022? Brock Purdy, NFL quarterback. For the San Francisco 49ers. Interesting, after Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo both went down with injuries this past year, guess who got knocked? Guess who got picked? Brock Purdy comes in to the NFL, Mr. Irrelevant, and wins five games in the row. Boom, 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 boom. Five games straight. He goes into the playoffs, wins the first two games. Mr. Irrelevant is no longer so irrelevant anymore. He probably would have kept on winning more games except that, guess what? He had a horrible elbow injury. He hits, I think he hit someone's helmet. And he was out, and they didn't have any more quarterbacks left. And, it, you know, what well, was so cool, he comes back into the game. He can't even throw a football anymore. All he can do is lob it. So all, basically all he's doing is handing off the football. But he was never going to give up on his team which is pretty cool to see. This year, Brock Purdy averaged 33 points a game as a starting quarterback for the 49ers, better than Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance. And there's an argument now that who's going to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers starting in 2023, and a lot of us are saying Brock Purdy, mystery relevant. I love what he shared regarding his motivation to play football. He makes, he makes this statement. He says, every time I play, no matter what happens, I want others to see God through my actions. Every time I step on the field, I want to bring him glory. Catch this. Even when I lose, I point to God and thank him for the opportunity. Everything happens for a reason. It's all a lesson from the Lord. It's a game. It's not my life. That last statement I might say, I might argue with. I know it's a game, but guess what? He is making it part of his life the way he's treating it in the sense that, you know what? It's not about me. It's about what God's given me the opportunity to do. 
What an amazing attitude. Here's a guy that's picked last in the NFL draft. He's 262 out of 262. You know, when you waited in line to get picked, you know, and that seemed like forever. You know, it probably took like 60 seconds. He waited three days and was the very last one chosen and picked. Let me tell you, I think there's a lot of coaches kicking themselves for not picking Brock Purdy earlier in the draft. Remember Tom Brady picked 199th? He had a pretty good career. (laughs) Pastor Tom, why are you sharing all this? Because I share this because at times we worry about our position. Where's my position? Am I going to be remembered? Who's going to remember me? What's my... We worry about the pecking order of life. But it's not something Jesus wanted us to do. Jesus has a different concern, not about our position. His concern is how well can we serve. Today we're going to spend some time looking at the account of the Last Supper. It's one of Jesus' greatest teaching moments with his disciples. Jesus never stopped teaching. He never stopped giving out. He never stopped loving. Even up to the point where he's coming to the Last Supper where he's going to face his crucifixion. Guess what? He kept on teaching. This teaching moment is amazing as it happens the the same night that Jesus is betrayed at the Garden of Gethsemane. It's an evening packed full of many different events. An evening that will be remembered for all of eternity. On this evening, I want you to catch this thought. On this evening, Jesus displayed the heart of a loving servant even in the middle of being betrayed by one of his own disciples. Let me read you the account. It's found in all four of the Gospels. We're going to read out of the Gospel of John, chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table. He took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, you are going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon exclaimed, Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you, for Jesus knew who would betray him. That that is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, You ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. 
I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is a messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray today that this word penetrates each and every one of our hearts. God, let it penetrate my heart. Let it, Lord, transform my mind, my thoughts, my direction. Let it transform my decisions, everything that I do. I pray, God, that over each and every one of us today, that your word will take hold. Lord God, it will will take hold in our life. It will be like an anchor to our life, Lord God. Thank you for your word. Let it come alive by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus is expressing what's important. Jesus is redefining what is of true value. Let's begin by looking at how Jesus redefines service. The Passover celebration had begun and Jesus knew that his crucifixion was ready to take place. And Jesus wanted to spend one last evening with his friends, his disciples. He wanted to spend this one last evening just being able to be in fellowship with them and being able to teach just one more thing for them because he knew he would be leaving soon. But when they arrived at the upper room where they were going to dine, there was no servant to wash their feet. And, and foot washing was a common practice in Jesus' day because they traveled wearing sandals. They didn't have these fancy Nikes or Adidas or all different shoes that we have. They had sandals and they walked on dirt roads. And so you walked all day and then all of a sudden when you come in and you want to eat lunch, you want to eat dinner. And one of the traditions that you always did is you would sit down and there would be a servant there that would wash your feet before you ate. It's interesting On this night, there's no one there to wash their feet. And it's interesting that none of the disciples stepped up to volunteer for the job. Why? Because it was seen as beneath them. This was a task reserved for the lowliest of servants. I'm one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. Can we find someone to wash people's feet? So it would have been completely astonishing To all of a sudden see Jesus take off his outer robe and put it aside and take a a, a towel and wrap it around his waist. And then all of a sudden he started kneeling down to one disciple after another disciple and he would start to wash their feet. And then he would take his towel and he would dry their feet. Each and every one of his disciples, he washed their feet. You, You want to talk about silence in the room? Here they're probably all thinking in their mind, Oh my gosh, there's no one here to wash our feet. What are we going to do? We were supposed to get this all ready. We were supposed to have the room prepared. This was going to be the, the supper that Jesus was talking about on the set. We were supposed to be doing this. This is the Passover. Why we forgot for a servant to come and to wash. And all of a sudden, Jesus steps up. You want to talk about silence in the room? All the way until Jesus comes to Peter. And Peter breaks the silence. No, Jesus, you cannot wash my feet. Why, why, would Jesus, why would Peter say that? Because Peter saw that it was beneath Jesus. Jesus, you can't wash my feet. That's beneath you. you. You're the Messiah. You're the Savior of the world. How can you wash my feet? But Jesus said unto Peter, he said, unless, you wash, unless I wash you, you will never belong to me. And Jesus is referencing a spiritual cleansing, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus has given a beautiful picture of salvation to Peter. But in this moment, Jesus is also redefining what service looks like. 
If you look at verses 13 and 14, Jesus tells his disciples, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are correct. That is who I am. But even as your teacher and even as your Lord, I can serve you by washing your feet. I think about the prophecy as we read this passage of Scripture. I can't help but think about the prophecy that's found in Isaiah chapter 53. It's a chapter that many have titled as a suffering servant. It really is a description of what happens to Jesus. A prophecy that happens hundreds of years before Jesus actually goes to the cross. This prophecy is given that says that there's going to be this servant that's going to come. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be whipped. He's going to be crucified. All these different things are going to happen. He's a suffering servant. And speaking of Jesus, who came from heaven to earth to serve each and every one of us. Jesus is redefining what service is all about. We are called to serve one another in humility and love. In the kingdom of God, greatness is achieved through the heart of service. In verse 15, Jesus gives us this reminder. He says, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. You know, there's something about when we see someone that we, man, you see, man, they're doing such a great job. You just want to follow after them. That is Jesus. We are called to follow after Jesus. We are his disciples. If Jesus could wash the disciples' feet, if Jesus could die for, for his friends, guess what? We are called to wash one another's feet. We are called to serve one another in a way out of a heart and compassion and a love for one another. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. If forever, the washing of the disciples' feet forever changed their perspective of their calling. I mean, if you think about it, let's think about this for a minute. There was a lot of disciples that were following Jesus. But these were the 12 that were chosen. Come follow me. They were chosen. You want to, buy, you want to call about being given a title? You're a disciple. You're one of the apostles of Jesus. See, Jesus had to redefine what they were what they were thinking of their authority and their leadership. He had to redefine all that thinking, and it should also change our perspective of our calling. See, it's not about obtaining greatness through title. It was about obtaining greatness through serving. Secondly, from the story of the Last Supper. Jesus redefines leadership. If you read the Last Supper account from the Gospel of Luke, like I shared earlier, it's found in all four of the Gospels, you gain further insight regarding the conversation that's happening around the table. I love the little bit of insight that we can gain once in a while by reading some of the other passages of Scripture. Let me read this part of the account in Luke 22, just a portion of it. Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and the great men lorded over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, for I am among you as one who serves." Jesus not only redefines what true service is all about, Jesus redefines what true leadership is about. True leadership is about serving. Now, don't get me wrong. God's, God places people in position of leadership and authority. He does. 
But I want you to catch this. It's not for the purpose to lord it over someone. Hey, look how great I am. Leadership is for the purpose of helping others by leading them towards the greatness that is found in Jesus Christ. The Pharisees of the day would flaunt their titles. They would walk around. They had these, uh, these robes that were adorned with all different types of tassels and things on there. And they would walk around and they were, they were very proud. They would walk around with what, what their titles were, how impressive they were. And the Pharisees of the days would, would flaunt those titles and they would manipulate people with their authority. It wasn't about serving others. It was about serving themselves. Jesus was flipping this thinking upside down. He said, you know what, I'm going to take this thinking of that culture is, that, you know what, that, that because of your title, everybody has to serve you. I'm going to flip this upside down. Because of your title, you should be serving others. Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline, states these words. He says, the spiritual authority of which Jesus spoke was an authority not found in a position or in a title, but in a towel. The idea of servant leadership brings us great freedom. It's no longer how high can I climb the corporate ladder. It's about how best can I make the difference in serving and helping others. Great leadership is not about elevating yourself. Great leadership is about elevating those around you. A great sports team, you can have the greatest player in that sports team, but if he's not about the team, guess what? They might not win any championships, so he could be a great player, but unless he, gets, all of a sudden, unless he elevates everybody around him, Tom Brady, when he first came in the league, he recognized how important his offensive line was. He'd buy them extravagant gifts. He would say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then he got these big tight ends, thank you and thank you. Because he, he recognized unless they were protecting him, he could never do the job that he was called to do. So instead of, look how great I am, he elevated each and every one of those guys. He said, man, you guys are the greatest. Thank you. See, we need to do that in our lives. I'm not saying Tom Brady's all that bag of chips, by the way, but just that was an illustration, an example. He is pretty good, though, as a quarterback. Should have never left his wife. Okay, I won't, keep, I won't keep going. Here we go. I don't even know where I'm at now. Great leadership is not about elevating yourself. It's about elevating those around you. How does that impact our lives? Let me share some thoughts about servant leadership. We're almost done, so don't panic. I only got six more points. Servant leadership is not searching for external accolades. Don't get me wrong, it's nice to be affirmed, it's nice to be encouraged, all of us like to get a pat on the back here and there, but it's not, what we, it's not why we do what we do. It should never be the reason why we do what we do. Servant leadership is not about the approval of people, it's about the approval of God. It's making a difference in the lives of others. Jesus never sought the approval of man, Jesus always sought the approval of his heavenly Father. That's who he's seeking to please. Servant leadership is unbiased. It's not serving only certain people. It's not serving only the rich or only the poor. It's not serving only people that I get along with. It's serving all those who God has called us to serve. It's serving all those who God has put into our path. It's the words that Jesus shares in Mark chapter 9, verse 35, calling us to be servants of all. 
Not some, but all. Say the word all. All. To be servants of all. Servant leadership is about building godly community. It's about building the body of Christ. See, the, the uh, Pharisees of, of, the, of the day, the religious elite of Jesus' day, were about bringing division. They, they were making big-time division. They were saying, oh, we are this. We obey the thing. We are so. And you guys, someday, hopefully, you can get to our. There was always this division that was being brought by the Pharisees. They were not building a godly community. Their type of service was, was not selfless, but selfish. It put others into their debt. Their service was a form of manipulation that brought division instead of unity. True servant leadership, catch this, true servant leadership will build the body of Christ. Why, Pastor Tom? Because we're serving one another. We're loving one another. We're caring for one another. It will draw people to one another, and most importantly, it draws people to Jesus. Because it's not about manipulation. It's not about obligation. It's about serving out of a love for Jesus and our love for others. This brings unity and healing. The last thing I want to share from this passage of Scripture is about the story, about the story of the Last Supper is that Jesus redefines honor. He redefines honor. All four of the Gospels record the events of the Last Supper. And it's interesting, at the end of each account, Jesus redefines honor. See, from a human perspective, we're always looking to receive honor from this world. But Jesus makes it very clear. Jesus makes it very clear. True honor is found when we enter into the kingdom of heaven. After Jesus and his disciples took communion together, meaning that they were at the Last Supper, they broke bread, they drank wine. Jesus makes these statements. He says, mark my words, Matthew 26, 29. Mark my words. I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Honor is entering into the kingdom of heaven and being with Jesus. That's honor. After service today, we're going to, or 3 o'clock, if we get there, I don't know, we'll see what happens. We'll be there 3 o'clock, Super Bowl party downstairs. It's going to be fun. We have bought some really cool drinks. And uh, so bring the food, though, please. We need, we need food. Um, root beer, we got root beer, cocoa, all that kind of stuff. But it's interesting when a sports team all of a sudden wins a championship, like the Super Bowl, or maybe, you know, the World Series, or the Stanley Cup, whatever it might be. The athletes win this, this, this the big game, and then all of a sudden they get this invitation, it's really cool, because they achieved some greatness, you know, and so they get this invitation, and they're invited to go to the White House to meet the president, out in the front yard, is it the front lawn, the back lawn, one of those lawns that they have around the White House. And so they go, and they are actually able to meet the president, it's considered, you know, very honorable, something of great honor, you get to meet the President of the United States. Pretty cool. I know some of you might not want to, but still kind of cool. Honor the office. Honor the office. As followers of Jesus, our honor is the invitation to meet Jesus in His kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. And it's an honor that's reserved for the highest achievement. And Jesus shares this achievement in John chapter 12. He says, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. 
And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Honor is found in serving Jesus. Jesus came to this world and he started redefining different things that we had thought. We thought we knew what service was. Jesus redefines it. We thought we knew what leadership was. Jesus redefines it. We thought we knew what honor was. Jesus redefines it. He says, let me show you what's true. And for each and every one of us today, as a disciple of Jesus, we need to take on that heart of service. I think this week is, isn't this week something like World Kindness Week or something? I think it's something like that. The world's always copying what Jesus already put into plan. True story. They all of a sudden say, oh, wow, this works. Yeah, read your words seriously now. Like they created this wonderful, no, Jesus did. But what would happen if we just all of a sudden started to serve out a heart of love? Not for what we could get out of it, not for any accolades, not for, you know, anything that, look at me, but just all of a sudden we just started doing some of our service should never be seen. I'm not saying that all of our service can't be seen because sometimes it's hard to do that. But there should be something in your life that when you serve, it's never seen. You never share. It's just something you do. Why, why Pastor Tom? Because there's something special about that. When you know that you're not doing it for something, but just to, to, just to please God. That's what our service is all about. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord God, that you continue to lead us and guide us in all that we do. We worship you today, Lord, because you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, I pray for each person that's here today. Maybe some have come in with maybe just hurt and brokenness and unforgiveness. Maybe some are here struggling with addiction. We all come with our sins. We all come with our problems. We're all alike in that way. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. None of us are, have achieved greatness. We might think we have, but that's even our own problem, Lord, because of our pride. We all struggle in certain areas of our lives. And I pray for those that maybe recognize that struggle here today, because without recognizing that struggle, they'll never be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. We gotta, we gotta know we need a savior. And there are some that are maybe here today, Lord, that they know they need you. And I pray for them today. If that's you here today, and you know that God is just knocking on your heart, I want everybody in the congregation to say this prayer, all of us together, because we're the body of Christ. We do things together. We love one another. We serve one another. I want us to say this together, and if you're here today, or if you're watching us online, thank you for being part of our online campus. And you recognize that I just need to be like when Peter, I was so prideful that I wouldn't let Jesus wash my feet, but man, Pastor Tom, I need to let go of my pride and say, Jesus, yes, I need your salvation today. And if that's you here today, repeat this prayer, all of us together. Lord Jesus, today I choose to follow you. I want to be your disciple. Lead me, guide me. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to serve well. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God good? He is faithful. He is good. Try service this week. Try just doing something out of the ordinary. Don't keep staying in the same rut. Make, do, do something different. See what God will do in and through your life when you choose that. 
Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.